Hello and welcome to the Engineering YouTube and podcast. I'm Paul, your host. This podcast is all about Porsche and the cars and the people and the technology and the engineering that goes behind it. You'll find your Porsche stories, which is us, me, talking to you about your Porsche, your journeys and your life experiences with those cars. Tech Talk, which is all about the technical aspects of Porsche. Waffle, which is just me whittering on about basically anything with some friends. And Heritage, which looks at the entire journey of Porsche from the earliest days to the present day. If that sounds interesting to you, then stick around. Welcome back to the Engineering YouTube and podcast, and welcome to episode 29. Uh, this week we're back for a Your Porsche Stories episode and that is coming from uh, New Zealand this time and a chap called Ross that I did a Zoom call with just before Christmas. Um, they are not in chronological order so those of you that have contributed to Your Porsche Stories episodes uh, and were like, oh my, I shot mine in uh, November, why is it not coming out yet? Well it's not coming out yet because what I'm trying to do is balance uh, content so some of the longer episodes will come out at one point and then some of the shorter episodes if we've got an influx of heavy um, YouTube content coming out I'll put some of those shorter ones in just to balance it all out um, but as I say this one's with Ross uh, Ross it's the what was really interesting about that is the um, the culture in New Zealand and the the ability to be able to build uh, resto mods or air-cooled uh, 911s isn't as you would experience it in the States or even in the UK um, and that's what Ross has uh, he built himself uh, or with support from some suppliers but you know a lot of the work was hand-cranked for him um, an absolutely amazing car um, so head over to you can see the uh, podcast episode and you can watch us chat uh, visually if that's what you want to do. You can see that on YouTube um, and there will be some pictures and some content on the Instagram uh, page as well. That's at Rengineering UK. Um, but before we get into that, as always, there is a an update as to what's going on and what I found recently, which I'm just going to take you through. Um, so the first thing I want to do is talk about a little bit more about my car um, and the fact that the first of the next series of REM builds episodes went out a couple of weeks ago uh, and then there was a gap where Sunday I had planned to drop the next episode, went back through all my content. Bearing in mind guys, I've got terabytes of content that, that I'm having to sift through and kind of edit and then put together and then release. Um, and there's been the odd occasion, it hasn't happened very frequently, but the odd occasion where I've gone to get something thinking, I know I've got a load of really nice time lapses I can use, and then went to try and find some of those time lapses, stick some music over the top of it, and annoyingly, even in the intros, or the kind of uh, the intermediate bits between the time lapsing, where I kind of reference it, I actually start referencing time lapsing. So when I started to try to build that episode, it all fell apart. Um, so that's why there's a gap. Uh, it annoyed the hell out of me that there's a gap because uh, I've really tried to be consistent since kind of the back end of last year and dropping content regularly but what's and I kind of balanced do I just put something together that's lesser than um, but I just don't think the content would have been as interesting so I'd made the uh, made the decision to kind of sit back a little bit um, and I'm going to do something slightly slightly different with that so that's still coming out that Ren Builds episode of kind of the next step um, covering the some of the decals the exhaust 
the uh, diffuser, all those sorts of things. That on my particular car now, my my Cayman, um, that's all coming up. Uh, but yeah, I had to take a moment to pause on that. One of the interesting things, though, is that uh, something, I, I mean, I scour around on different forums and Facebook, but I'm not always that active, um, mostly because I'm just out of time. But one thing that did come up, actually, that I found really interesting and really exciting was that there's a company called Gold Leaf Performance. Um, they have looked at adapting the Cayman GT4 RS side intakes so the ones that sit in replacement of the um the rear the rear passenger well both sides actually uh smaller window side windows uh, and the air dunt the air ducts that go straight into the engine bay i've looked at that since they came out and went oh i'm doing that <laughs> i am 100 doing that and then i thought well i mean it's great to say that but then there's obviously the kind of technical factor around it well those things aren't designed to fit together um, that's off a 718, I've got a 981. I'm not quite sure what the um, the changes will need to be. I've got some of those GT4 RS parts, not those ones, but other GT4 RS parts in the car already, uh, which I'll come to at a later date. Um, and, there, and I can work with Jake at O Sport, um, who's gonna be partnering on the Ren 550 build anyway. Um, so there's an op so we've got options of how we're gonna do it. But then when this popped up on Facebook, got the opportunity to see that someone's not beat me to it because I'm not going to productionize this, but at the same time, it was really cool to see something that is not for uh, RS, but still utilizing those side intakes. And because I was, it would be a lot of money to invest into it without really knowing what the sound's going to be like afterwards. Um, I've talked loads before about emotion and sound go hand in hand for me. I'm less bothered about outright power. I'm more bothered about the emotional connection and a big part of that is the noise. Um, and yes, it is just what I would hope. So <laughs> it's phenomenal. Anyway, so uh, I'm, there's no affiliation between myself and Gold Leaf Performance at all, but credit where credit's due, they've got out there. And I have, and I, what, what I will do is talk about some of the other things I've seen because they weren't the first to do it, but I think they're the first to do it that looks factory. Um, and as if you follow the channel or the podcast for a while now, you will know that anything I try and do has to be OEM plus or really, really close. Um, incidentally, when I was talking about updating or doing some slightly different content, it's kind of where I'm going to go. We start talking about my reflections of some of those modifications and whether I did them correct at the time or what I would do differently. Um, whether I'm going to take things off, all of that stuff is going to come as part of those REM builds episodes. But to reflect back on some of the other stuff I've seen, so as I say, other people have done the side intakes and some of them have done carbon fiber ones. They are very, to me, and it's only my personal opinion and what's that worth, not a great deal, but they look very motorsport. So they've got this big box that takes up some of the, uh, the boot space. Uh, they've got the kind of big ducting, pipe ducting that kind of just snakes around into the boot. Now, I'm sure they're 100% effective and they do exactly what what is being asked. But again, for me personally, I wouldn't want to lose some boot space and I wouldn't want something to look motorsport because my car's not a track car. It literally would be doing it for uh, the sound and for the look. That's a lot of money spend. So if you're going to do it, for, for me personally, I'm not particularly attracted to the motorsport side of things, but if you've got a hardcore track car, go for it. 
but that's what Goldleaf have done. Uh, it looks near identical to a GT4 RS. Uh, obviously, you can't see below the surface because what they have done is that. Um, and I'll tell you what, I'll, exp I'll explain a little bit more about how it works. So, on a Cayman uh, 981 and 718, you have, in fact, all of them, 987s as well, you've got an, uh, the engine sat behind the seats, uh, a an aluminium um, cover that sits on top of that effectively that goes around that sits on the shell and then on top of that you've got some sound deadening and then carpet the gc4 rs does away with a lot of that and has this lovely big carbon fiber panel that sits on top of that um, that engine panel obviously that increases some noise and mvh because um, the sound deadening is no longer there or some of the sound deadening is no longer there but then you get all of that amazing kind of um, mechanical noise come through to the cabin. Not perfect for a daily. If you're just using your Cayman as something to uh, nip to work and back, you probably won't want to do that. But for me, uh, A, I'm, I've said this a million times, I'm a massive chav. I still get really excited about those sorts of things. Um, yeah, so I think it's a brilliant thing and, and well done to Goldie Performance for knocking it out of the park. Um, if you want to send me one, you are welcome, my friends, because uh, that's a pretty big advert. Um, 911 Ren Sport. So, obviously, we've moved into the year, new year now. We're kind of well into January. No one's saying Happy New Year to each other. That's all done. Um, and I am starting to look at booking the rest of the year out. So, we, uh, Ren Sport and I had been talking on and off for the last sort of eight months about me heading there. Um, and sitting down and doing a proper heritage episode um, about their whole, you know, what makes them tick, how did the whole company come about, and their products, uh, and then going out for a run in one of the cars. Pleased to say that's the first of those sorts of pieces of content that's been booked for this year, so that's happening in early April. Um, that's mega for me, because this is the start of the change between as I did, popped to Auto Farm um, and sat down in a lovely conversation with Mikey Wasty. Uh, but obviously, they were a working workshop and it was in between uh, different parts of the job for him. Um, and it was not really a great opportunity because they had some things in build, but there's nothing that kind of we could have gone out in immediately. Whereas this, Rensport have um, demo cars and things like that. So it's going to give me the opportunity to start getting out and filming some of that stuff as well. So not only will there be content coming out about the, the conversation as well, but also there'll be content on the cars. So that's fantastic news. There is a lot more of that to come. Um, that was the first booking uh, and I'm just starting to slate. I've got a big long list here in front of me. I won't read it out because at this point, unless they're in the bank and they're booked, I don't want to, book, to talk about it and if it doesn't go anywhere, which can also happen. Um, for lots of different reasons, and I respect people for their choices to whether they want to do it or not. Um, but Ren Sports booked. What else? Uh, big for me, particularly, probably less. Well, it won't mean anything to you if you're international, and it, but it, and it will mean something to you if you're in the UK. Uh, but if you're not Hampshire based, it won't be quite as important. But caffeine and machine. If you are in, and I know I've got lots and lots and lots of Indian followers now. Uh, hello to everyone in India. Um, the in this country we have a um, they've typically a company basically that turned a restaurant or a pub into a meeting ground for car enthusiasts. They have themed nights. Uh, their their social media and their marketing and their branding is perfect. 
it really has created their original kind of location in Stratford upon Avon in uh, the UK. It took off like a rocket. It proved that everybody was hunting and needing that space that they could go that felt inclusive, um, that felt like you could just. And it, it, one of the taglines is "feels like home," and it a hundred percent does when you go to the caffeine machine, or it does for me anyway. Every, not everything's for everybody, obviously, but yeah, I love caffeine machine. So for me, great news because uh, they've started branching out across the country and they are opening a caffeine machine location 15 minutes from my house, um, which is just, I mean, you can imagine what I'm like. I'm like a giddy school kid at this point with this. Not only because it is just a really cool place to go and hang out, but actually in terms of meeting people or... Um, or just hanging out and doing a tech talk or a, a heritage episode or your Porsche story or another engineering cars and coffee event or a legends event or something like that. Um, there is another place that's fairly close to do that. So uh, it'd be interesting. And just to dispel some myths as well, Caffeine and Machine pride themselves on um, promoting and loving all sorts of random weird stuff. So whereas typically you'd expect that the most expensive car wins because they tend to have um, almost like podiums and uh, specific parking locations that have got a great backdrop for photos. Actually, quite, quite often what happens is the really quirky stuff goes there and uh, the kind of more factory-built, off the, you know, run-of-the-mill but very fancy cars, um, they get sort of placed elsewhere, which I love. So there's a good chance that I'll turn, in, I'll turn up in my... Uh, modified VW app on its Porsche wheels low to the ground and that'll get pride of place whereas my Cayman which looks which is also tweaked and updated and changed uh, may not get the same uh, presence but that's fine with me I'm quite happy with that uh, so that's uh, caffeine and machine uh, Megaphonics tickets again big show in the UK I've been to Megaphonics a few times and if you haven't watched the Frank Cassidy heritage episode over on YouTube you can go and do that now um, that continues to be the most popular heritage episode so far, um, as Frank very kindly mentioned as well. Megaphonics tickets are now available, which is great. I will obviously be going. I've been every year bar one so far. I will continue to go. Um, and a couple of other last things before we get into the Your Porsche Stories episode. One is a good friend of mine, uh, Ajmal, who is on Porsche Cool. We met via that we ended up hanging out and having a coffee very random coffee just uh just turned up and just sat in a, you know chewed the fat and what turned out to be what started off as let's meet up for 10 or 15 minutes or even half an hour i think with a couple of hours just rabbiting on so we obviously get on very well we've stayed in touch ever since and and i've been on uh mark and ajmal's um porsche talk podcast as well so uh, a little bit of a shout out for them and uh, I've asked Ashmael to come on this podcast as well. So probably we'll get myself, Mick and Ashmael together um, and we'll, in much the same way that, that when Mick was on the channel, on the podcast just before Christmas uh, with Nathan, we'll do something similar with Ashmael as well. Um, and he can tell us about his 912, his garage build, because he's got this enormous garage being built um, on his house, not on his house, but in his back garden uh yeah looking forward to that as well very good um so really that is it pretty much apart from uh getting my cayman serviced so that's now booked in with barnsville again oh god every, every, 
what you'll find is that when I gravitate towards people, and if I think they're brilliant at what they do, um, they tend to just I kind of stick to them annoyingly probably for some people but so my car's going back to barn sport in april as well uh, it needs an annual service it's only a small service and i was talking to scotty at barn sport about booking it in but i'm also going to do the uh, gt3 rs steering flash uh, for the ecu that manages the steering so it'd be really interesting to see if i can feel the difference before and after um, as i've said many times uh, I am, whilst I'm an engineer by trade, uh, engineering covers a massive array of uh, different arenas. So you can't necessarily be an expert in everything. Um, if we were to measure, try and measure and quantify the changes between pre-flash, post-flash, um, you'd have to have all sorts of things set up to do that properly. So it's gonna be bum, the equivalent of a bum dyno. Uh, go out for driving it before, flash the car, take it out afterwards on the same day and then try and sort of explain what the feeling is and if there is any difference. Um, I'm assured by everybody on the internet that it's a remarkable difference, but we will see. Apparently it weights up the steering in a more kind of natural way. It's less assisted overall. There's all sorts of bits and pieces. So let's figure out and see what happens. And the last thing I'm gonna mention is my new role in my day job. And I have said on Instagram that I don't tend to kind of merge the two and it's not something that's gonna happen regularly, but it does mean something in terms of re-engineering and what happens here as well. Re-engineering, if you've listened to any of the really early stuff, um, and I start talking about the purpose of re-engineering, whilst it's great putting out content around heritage, tech talk, your Porsche stories, um, all of that stuff's fantastic, all REM builds. The purpose of all of it, even after building the REM 550, is to create an opportunity for young engineers to come on board to experience what it's like working in a project environment to support one of the builds. At the end of that process, we, the intention was it to be a yearly process, but I'm realizing now that actually the required amount of time it would take for me, I'd have to be full time. Um, but if that was to happen, out of that group of engineers, myself and the two people that kind of in the background of engineering that aren't front facing, um, would decide between us uh, who the MVP is for that year and provided it could be funded the intention was the kind of blue sky thinking was that we would pay for their master's degree um, so that's the whole point where is that so where does that cross over with my day job well my day job now or as of middle of February is to be the stem outreach program manager for the company I work for um, which is amazing so I will get to go to schools colleges even universities probably in some cases, the Institution of Engineering and Technology that I'm a full member of, um, all sorts of places and, and collaborating with industry as well to start promoting uh, STEM roles and STEM activity and STEM uh, careers basically. So um, it's, I mean, I'm not doing the greatest job of showing how excited because I'm a bit fatigued from being excited about it, but it is by far the most excited I've been about a job ever. Um, the idea that I get to go and talk about my route into engineering and to explain how that happened, the fact that I wasn't a straight A student, the fact that um, I left it quite late in my life to start, you know, to start training and becoming an engineer, um, you know, all of those things will probably help some parts of society where they've had um, no experience or, or, or there's preconceived ideas about what you can and can't do based on where you are at that point in your life. 
that's the stuff I'm really excited about. So that's happening for me outside of engineering as well. For now though, let's have a quick check of the time. 19 minutes in. So this is going to be a mega episode. Um, I hope you're, you've uh, taken a comfort break or if you need a comfort break, do that now. And I will hand over to myself and Ross from New Zealand to talk about his your Porsche story and I'll be back at the end. Uh, welcome back to the Engineering YouTube and podcast and welcome to another Your Porsche Stories. Uh, today I'm with Ross who comes from New Zealand. Um, I limited, although Ross has sent me a ton of stuff, images, backstory, everything about his uh, 72 911T. Um, I deliberately haven't read too much into it because I want to get it from him firsthand. So, uh, so welcome, Ross. How are you today? All good. G'day, Paul. Welcome from New Zealand. Yeah, lovely, uh, lovely day here. Yeah, and uh, hell of a journey with this old car. Yeah. Okay. So, um, if you remind me again, did you did you see this on uh, YouTube and reach out from YouTube, or was it from a podcast streaming service? Which which version did you uh, pick up? I think I came across you on YouTube and YouTube. and um and, and and reached out that way. I, I I came across your email somehow. I think I shot you an email and said, "Perfect." Hey, here I am. There's um it's probably a good time to um as much a bit for my own purposes, I suppose, to record a bit about what what this journey has mm. been like. And, and you know, there's a lot of information that's gone through my head over the last five years or so. And um and um you know, I've started documenting some of it. But but um, good idea to to um you know talk about it and record something yeah and i'm sure once you get into the conversation things that you have experienced or had to handle in terms of changes or decisions you've made or you know difficult parts to it that um that will come back through that all stuff will come back flooding through once you start talking about it so but before we get into the current car um as with all of these episodes can i take you back to your youth and uh, give me a heads up as to uh, cars and where they came in, and then Porsche in terms of where their Porsche brand came to you. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I um, I've loved skiing since I've been a, a young guy, and um, on a on a on a ski trip um, with a mate that I met when I was a junior engineer at Tech. Um, his dad was in fact uh, um, a racer of some um, renown in New Zealand. A, a, a chap sadly no longer with us but a guy called Kerry Grant mm. and and um he was a single seater racer and a well known saloon car racer in the 60s and into the early 70s he had a couple of accidents but his son uh, Andrew and I was a good mate he still is a really good friend of mine and um we were on a ski trip and his dad had loaned us an Audi 80 Quattro which in 1987 wow. you know 2.2 beast of a car well, you know, with skiing is such an improbable sport, getting up and down the mountain and, mm. you know, snow and stuff and a, a powerful four-wheel drive car was a bit of an unheard thing of, you know, back those in those days. And and it was um it was a fantastic trip. I remember flying along at, at speeds the family car didn't do and and um <laughs> it really made an impression. So Andrew Andrew's dad actually had a a three two Carrera um in his garage at one point in time, as well as an UR Quattro. You know, he was a real or through and through car guy. And, um, and that's really that's what really sparked my interest in in, in cars and um and how old uh, you my, how old were you about this sort of time uh, 18 or 9 18 or okay. 19 so fairly late into it late yeah. into it i suppose but um but uh you, you, you know the you, you you pick up and learn a lot along the way um you know i don't work in the industry but like jeff mm -hmm. in sydney we we're just enthusiasts that 
that um that have that have learned a lot through the through the through the journey of of having and owning your own cars. My first car was a Fiat One Two Five um in a boxy boxy mm-hmm. saloon. Really good, really good first car, twin over cam, pretty engine. Um, mm. I did subsequently have a BMW two double O two Ti. Oh, nice car! One of my, one of my best friends yeah. has got one of those. I think it's a seventy four. I want to see seventy four. Right, right, right. Mine was a seventy one Roundy, so it was yeah. a um, sort of the in between model. Uh, but being a Ti, it was you know probably the rarest of them because it was twin twin side draft Solexes, mm. not the injected the Kugelfish injected T double I. Um, but yeah, that car's still around somewhere, but I did learn an awful lot through that process of, of really, um, what not to do in many ways, you know, the mm. car still, still wasn't quite where it needed to be at the end of a rolling restoration over, you know, a number of years and decided if I was going to do a 911, it had to be, um, to a much higher standard. And, mm. um, and it, it's also, a, you know, a, a passion project, really, mm. um, mm. something that you, that you, um, are doing for love, not, not really for money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so it's been it's been my project on my terms and and uh, and and that operating the project with that in, in mind has has meant that it's for my enjoyment and you know mm. it's not an expensive it's not an inspe- inexpensive or easy undertaking at all quite mm. the opposite actually but um but you know as of yesterday it's registered and on the road we are there wow. so um so you know the end of five years five year journey is is, is complete. It's interesting because picking up on a couple of things you've said so far, one is talking about being a young engineer um, and the other is um, to what you talked about project. Now, project can mean lots of different things to lots of different people. It can mean, you know, throwing a bit of cash at it whenever you can and that invariably takes 20 years to get through something. A full restoration from scratch from somebody that's got an engineering background sounds like more of a thought through you know figured out process you know what you're going to do and when you know roughly how long it's going to take you you've got a vague idea of budget those sorts of basic things was it was it that kind of thought through or was it more of a passion project kind of yeah i'll just take it as it comes and figure things out how, how did it how did it start uh, more more the latter i mean the car was sold to me it's a u.s car originally mm. a 1972 te so mechanical fuel injection um mm. Um, but it was sold to me as a project, just bolt an engine and and go. And as it turned out, nothing could be further from the truth. Right. Um, I actually bought the car when I was living in Melbourne and right. shipped it with my personal fix uh, with an engine to to New Zealand, and mm. then we worked out a good um, uh, machinist here or, or a body shop rather that that I wanted to um, to to have a look at it. He said, "Well, let's just." cut the sills off and have a look and, mm. and um and you know it was heart in the mouth moment it's like oh my god because it had been repainted and okay. it actually looked quite it actually looked quite sharp mm. but when you peeled back a little bit um it was pretty clear it, it was not what it was sold as mm. um i wonder with those things whether it's whether it's because it hit that kind of you know as all cars do that weird part in between being desirable again you know, they, they were desirable for a while, but then the equity wasn't really in them to spend vast amounts of money like there is now. So they get kind of the standard. And we've got over here with, um, you know, most classic cars, but particularly minis are, are ripe for it because they were, they were a really cheap throwaway car. So 
people would just stuck you know patches on them or you'd find bits of rolled up newspaper and glue and all sorts of bodge tape all sorts of rubbish and yeah. and some of it can look quite convincing from a distance and it's really like you yeah. said it's only when you get yeah. to start taking things off and investigating that you realize that oh no it's another candidate that's going to need a full re restoration work so yeah 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 I, I, there, was, there was definitely a period there where there was quite a bit of soul searching around well it's not what i thought what, what mm. do i want to do as a consequence do i just put a bow around it and, and re-advertise it um yeah, or yeah. or actually commit to this project and really um really dig quite deep um mm. and i decided the latter the latter um so we you know it ended up with with floors and sills and um the you know front battery boxes and the tank support um, mm. um it had new new guards already i think they looked looked fairly not 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 original to the car but porsche porsche parts yeah. but they yeah. just looked like they were they they didn't need um you know any attention um but it was you know probably 250 300 hours of welding Wow. And, and steel work. Um, but the nice thing, that, that one of the really nice things about restoring an old 911 is the availability of parts is fantastic. You don't yeah. have to you don't have to custom fabricate much at all. Yeah. Restoration designs in Canada have um, patch panels for nearly all of the car or right. from Porsche themselves. Still takes, you know, it still takes a real craftsman to put it together and to mm. get a straight, just really straight body out of it. Um, but I was very happy with with the, uh, you know, how how straight and rust free the tub ended up at the mm. end of that. You know, it was eighteen, it was eighteen months in the body shop by the time we um, decided, you know, originally cutting it, cutting it open to when it rolled out and you move on to the next phase of the project. Do you know if they um, were doing multiple builds at once, or they can't be working on your car solo solo for eighteen no, months? No, no, it's a smaller a smaller um, workshop. Um, he runs it as a business, but it, you know he's a, he's a small time operator. Mm. Um, um, but he's got um, it's Pegasus Restorations actually here in Christchurch, okay. and um, a really really good guy Alex. Um, he's done a lot of these early nine elevens and and V dubs before. Mm knows them inside out you know you really need someone that knows how these cars are i'll make sure i on. tag pegasus when i put the post out when i put the, the video out because it's great exposure oh. for them especially if they're you know yep. they're, they're looking for other projects i don't know but yeah yeah, yeah look he does he I, I was actually there yesterday we were doing a few breaking miles on the engine and mm. um with my son just driving around a little bit to get a few miles on it and went to see alex to show him the finished product and mm. um he's got a uh a three liter SC Targa in there as a project car. He's right. you know he's got always got a few early 911s coming and going. VW Combi buses, buses and things. Mm. He's got a couple of guys working for him now, so things are are, are quite busy for him. Um, but no, he's a he's a he's a great you know a good local restoration shop um, that that does quality work at a decent price. Mm. You mentioned uh, the it'd been repainted. So what was the original colour? What had it been painted and what have you gone to, back to or to from there? It was always a light ivory car. It okay. had been painted, it had been painted light ivory. And I, I actually vacillated on colour for a long time when it mm. came around to painting the car. Um, I went around and around and around in my head on, you know, whether to go with an original Porsche colour or just to paint it. Um, refrigerator white or washing machine white again. Um, I know a lot of the race cars have got a certain appeal with that, you know, the mm. white color, the 911 R's and things. But um, there was a particular picture uh, uh, in from the US 
of an early 9-11 painted in a a, a a modern sort of take on a slate gray color mm. and it's if you if you google dolomite gray early 9-11 okay. uh, this, this this narrow body car pops up and it just looks stunning it really right. caught my eye and i just couldn't get past these pictures of this car and i thought well you know that's it i'm going with that so um wow it's 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 not a concourse project um I, I i didn't want to be constrained by um you know the limitations of putting together a car that's going to live in a garage the rest of its life yeah. and not be driven that was, yeah. that's really not me i really want to enjoy this thing um having put all this time and effort into it um so it is modified a little bit from standard, you know. Mm -hmm. It's 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 now got um slightly upgraded suspension, um it's lowered a little bit, um it has some sports Recaro seats, mm -hmm. um it's got a two seven RS high compression engine, um, wow okay, which, which I I actually assembled the engine myself, um mm. which was hugely rewarding project. That was that was um. First foray into building, or yeah, you... yeah, yeah. Well, I've had the heads off cars before, and sure. you know, tuned carburetors and did a lot with the two double oh two. We did do an engine build on that, but um, not to the same extent as mm. as, um, as the early nine eleven. Um, just on the engine building side of it, I, w I will say that um, you know, the actual assembly of the parts, assembling the engine, is nothing like as critical as the machining work that yeah. needs to go into getting everything absolutely correct. You mm -hmm. know, the fact that there's six separate um, cylinders and heads that all need to be um, exactly flat for the cam tower to sit across to make a nice smooth running engine. You know, you can't, you can't be too careful with um, making sure everything is exactly parallel. Mm. Um, so you need somebody that understands the architecture of these things and, um, so I, I I bought some seven R cases uh, through the forums actually um, in in the states and um, had them prepared by Ollie's in Arizona and shuffle pinned. You know I figured either you build a standard seventy two TE engine a two point four TE mm. or if you're going to modify it then then the, the costs to modify it are more or less the same whatever yeah. spec of porting you, you do whatever cam you cam to put into it so. I decided I decided to go, you know, the full hog and do a, a two point two point seven RS um high compression two seven RS. Um, so Especially it, see if you if you already made the decision to go in a different direction with paint and the suspension's gonna be slightly different. And if you're putting an engine in it, then you kind of the shackles are off a little bit. The, Jeff and I talked about this a little bit, but as well, you know, it's there's something freeing about not constraining yourself to a nut and bolt restoration using every single original part as you know or you know reclaiming as much of the original stuff as you can because like you said you know you're going to be in this situation where you've got this not priceless but incredibly difficult to replace car that then isn't as enjoyable as something that where you kind of you might not be chasing full resto mod singer-esque stuff but you know having your own stamp on it for your car that is suited to your driving style your environment you know all those sorts of things it must be a really enjoyable place to be getting to the, you know when you come towards the end of the road and you've made those decisions and you've got all that part those parts and they've you know the, the car's built and you look back and go away you know this thing is now mine it's got my thumbprints blood sweat tears you know 
every argument you've ever had with your partner or your kids or you know anyone your next door neighbor because you've been you know banging away at like four in the morning or whatever it is you know all of those things suddenly for me anyway it's that moment where it's you know that you put the wrench down for the last time and you're like i think we're done yep. you know that yep. moment yeah 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 I, I need to give a bit of clarity there you know jeff in in, in my mind is is an absolute legend you know his mm. his work rate and throughput because he's done absolutely everything mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. i effortlessly yeah, modest as well it's unbelievable when you talk to him and he talks about you know the first thing he said was yeah. i'm just a you know an idiot with a you know with a spanner you know like really downplays his skill set <laughs> so yeah and and, and show me a, show me a fireman who, who's got painting skills and by the way mm -hmm. can um troubleshoot a wiring diagram and wire up a um a link computer mm. and um and, and and troubleshoot when it's not running right and, mm -hmm. and, and and do it just in in a conversation like it's just every day Unfin know, unfinished uh, projects the amount of people that start stuff and then get distracted by you know the shiny new thing that comes along yeah. but he's a finisher he his projects get yeah. finished yeah 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 and uh as a wise man said to me once, it's really easy to start a project. It's difficult to finish. And I, and I have to agree with that completely. Yeah. There was there was a moment a couple of years ago, probably three years ago now, where I had a lockup when I was doing, you know, heading, collecting all the parts and bits and pieces. And I can't remember which piece it was, but I'd been through it and worked out the repair strategy and put it on the shelf and I knew what needed to be done with it. Mm. I picked it up eight months later and I couldn't for the life of me remember what it was. It took me four or five days to remember what i decided to do with this particular piece mm. and then about and then, and then a while later a few months later the same thing happened again and it dawned on me that this project is going to get out of control unless yeah. i really commit to it and dig, dig deep and and really make sure that this thing gets over the finish line because mm -hmm. you can see how projects sit for 10 years and get half done and oh completely because like you know you, you're, the reality is you know that unless you're dedicating yourself if you i guess it's slightly different if you're retired but if you're a working person and you've got commitments family commitments or just a social life you know or anything really it really you're sacrificing those things to dedicate yourself to completing the tasks that you need to get completed to build the car so mm. there is always a push and pull in terms of and i get it you know if if you know i certainly wouldn't judge anybody for for not completing something or when you go you know to ebay or craigslist or whatever else and you see a load of half finished projects you totally get why because somebody's got to that point where you know it's not tolerable to compete you know your working life and your home life and everything else but it's one thing that it's just four wheels and a steering wheel at the end of the day it isn't as important as your relationships and it's not as important as your work and all those sorts of things that compete against it so i get it i totally yeah. get it yeah yeah it's um you do have to keep it in context i, I i'm too i'm too stubborn you need a you need a fair degree of 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 grit to get it mm. to get it to the finish line and, and it's always it's always been about about seeing it through to completion and there have been some 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 you know i just have to say this is me for the time being there's other things i where did that have. happen tell me about a bit more about that where did it get to the point or what what points did it get when you were like oh i can't uh, be dealing with this anymore i think i think um you know we're in the paint shop and i'm in overalls just finished an it contract um and you just realize how many hours it takes to actually get the body shell um even once all the metal work's done there's a long way to a to a, to a painted shell because it's still mm. a lot of hours to get to a really a good quality paint job mm. um 
and, and at that point you're looking at it going well it, it's nearly a car but i've got to reassemble everything mm. know, um yeah um although i had you know at that point i had been um going through every single component and and um refurbishing it along the way i've got mm. receipts from the the powder coaters and the the platers you know I went through the other day and put all the receipts into a folder, and it, it, it's it, it's a massive number. <laughs> you know, there's dozens of trips to right. the powder coaters and the plate is just with yeah. piles of parts. Do they um, so so you know post build before when I was ch- chatting to the powder coaters that I use, um, th- you know they were like, if you'd have just brought all this stuff in like two or three trips, so you'd have saved so much money. Look, look, look tr- true, but. But that also assumes you're gonna you're gonna pull everything apart and have it on one pile, mm. and that, that's fine if you can look at a part and go that goes there. Mm. Um, I, I had to be a little a little structured in the way that I just assembled mm. the car, knowing that I was going to put it back together again. So I needed a um, a sense of organisation about the project so that um, I could I could put everything back where it where it needed to go. Yeah. Um, without yeah. without ending up ending up in trouble. Um, the bonus of a YouTube channel is that you get some video of everything, and then worst case scenario, if you do lose your mind and you can't think, you can't remember, it's a case of going back on YouTube and having a look at one of the earlier episodes and figuring it out from there. But yeah, yeah look, you, you make a really, really good point there, Paul, and I and I um I, I want to reinforce that this this project has been a project of the internet. The the mm. the, the the depth of resource available through Pelican Parts and mm. other others that um Cavs nine eleven, I think he's in North Carolina, uh, it's North um California somewhere. He I watched his videos end to end. Um Kurt from Parts Classic mm-hmm. um has done a, a a lot of videos on particularly the engine. So I was going to do it myself. I just when I committed to do that, I invested a huge amount of hours in um just studying how the thing went together, what yeah. needed to be checked, you know, what what the critical aspects were, um, were there any special tools that would help you along the way. And um all that's possible through the internet and and you know those people that have gone before you know it's so much easier when mm. i came to assemble the engine it was like uh, i've been here i've done this three times myself because in my head i had you know i'd been mm. through mm. exactly what I, what i needed to do and 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 um, it's still when you're actually got your 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 own hands on your own parts it's a bit it's a bit you known tools it's a bit a bit different but it came together really really well you know really so it took it took a lot of a lot of time and care assembling on you know, the, the engine itself. Um, but um, if, if, when you're not running it as a commercial enterprise and it is just a hobby, mm. you've got the luxury of time and you can yeah. make sure that everything is absolutely right. Um, yeah. You know there are some critical checks: the, um, the deck height, and the, yeah, the piston to head clearance, mm. um, in particular, um, and the piston to valve clearance. Just make sure those things are all. Are all um are all are all safe and you got good clearance um, but in terms of the spec of the engine, I mean I I I I love the engine I suppose more than any other part of the car sort of where I've where I've sort of um invested more time and technical insight than anything yeah. else um, and I did did a lot of research into the two seven RS engine and um just as a side note you know I find it fascinating that the early reports really talked about the improved torque of the 2.7 versus okay. anything that had, that had gone before. And yeah. 
and but 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 that was Porsche's first homologation engine. You know, it was mm. the first homologated car for GT racing, and and for it to be known for its torque more though than its horsepower. Surprising, isn't was, it? Yeah, it really, it'd be it quite really linear, was. and it would all be at the sort of six to seven, six to eight, that kind of yeah, area. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did leave a lot on the table. Um, you can tune up a two seven RS engine. You know the standard eight and a half to one compression ratio. Um, there is certainly some breathing improvements um, that you can. You know a good a good two seven RS um, is good for you know probably at least two twenty five two thirty horsepower. If you raise mm. the compression, um, run it on high octane gas because back in the day they were just run on two star two star fuel. Which I think I think the the environment the climate of the world in that point was around, was around, you know, the fuel crisis was happening mm. and um, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was not as tuned up as you, as, as, it, as it might sound for a homologation car. Mm. Um, so yeah, there are, there are, uh, you know, having done a, a couple of hundred miles in the thing now, um, they're a, it's a beautiful engine, loads of torque actually, mm. more than I, more than I would have, um, anticipated um uh and the mfi system really really does is, it's a it is kind of old tech but mm. devastatingly effective the, really the throttle the, the throttle response and the the way the way it works uh, you know the way it, the sensation you get driving the car is is just really really something else have you um did you you obviously have had some time with the dyno to get it set up and stuff. So have you had a power run and a torque run to be able to get those figures down? No, no, I don't. In fact, we've still got the the um the RPM limit set just at five eight just for running oh, in. Oh right, so, okay, yeah. But it's still pulling like mad when it hits the hits the rev limiter. But it, mm. it feels it feels really quick, even pulling to you know just under six thousand RPM. And it's still mm. fifteen hundred RPM to go. So yeah, looking forward to um to really getting some some numbers i i have actually twin plugged it so mm -hmm. we have twin plugged the heads and put in a second cdi box um and in the process of sorting out a um a twin plug distributor um and what i what i would like to do is when we get it properly run in single plug is then retune it for twin plug and do a back-to-back -back comparison single right. plug versus twin plug just to see I don't think there's huge benefits um, power-wise, but you know, in the in the process of investigating the engine, I spoke to three different engine builders in the states, guys mm. that are really well known in the um, in the US market. Um, a guy called Steve Weiner, who unfortunately passed away in the last twelve months. Um, Henry at Supertech, you know, a really well-known guy, mm. um, and then another guy, William Knight, um, who. Um, is also really well known on the forums and builds, you know, cracking engines, um, particularly three liters. But also, you know, he's got a lot of experience with early Porsche engines. It's what one thing just just talking about the you know the engineering side of these engines. I um, approached a couple of people in the early days and said, well, you know, what would you do if I was going to build a two seven engine? And they look mm. at you blankly and go, well, what do you want to do? We just you know we bolt it together. The mm. the engineering there's a big gap between a mechanic, someone who can fix problems and bolt things together, and yeah. someone who's done the research to know well what is the safe compression ratio? How much yeah. cam should you put in a two seven RS with a magnesium case for it to be safe? Um, you know what what do you go? Do you need Nicosol liners? You know what are the best piston cylinder combinations you know it, it, 
that that knowledge isn't on the streets or at your local at your local right. um independent workshop they're mechanics not engineers and you have to go away and and um, talk to a lot of people to get that knowledge um, right. and i had to do that offshore uh, there are some people around that know more than others here but um this there's such a it's a small industry right in new zealand and even australia the, the that whole concept it is, it's not going to have tens of really thousands of 11s running around so it's gonna you know it's, yeah. it's natural the states is going to have the vast majority of of people that have really invested a lot of time and there's a whole industry that's set up around it so it makes total sense that you go there right and did you yep. fly out at all or was this all done over the you know emails internet phone calls emails and internet yeah yeah yep. the approachability as well you know the porsche community is fantastic as a um you know i find air called people porsche people uh, are very very open generally mm. with information very very happy to talk about what they've done what they think's best what their experience is um um there are you know when it came to actually properly tuning the engine this mfi thing is potentially really complicated you can get yourself really mixed up and um it was running um poorly to, mm -hmm. to start with and it took a fair bit to um to 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 get it tuned properly i reached out to a, yet another expert that i'd come across in the forums a guy um in in the us again and he um pointed me in the right direction about about how to set up the mfi properly and once mm. once i made a couple of simple changes it took you know it, i say simple but it all took probably five or six hours of tuning to get it really absolutely spot on um to really go through the whole thing you know the fueling system end to end um and understand exactly what, what what's happening to get it was this right. on a bench or was this you know you, some you know a bit of static and a bit of road driving and a bit more static and a bit more yeah. In the, in the, yeah, so so yeah, get it get it idling properly. Um, yeah. but but you need an airflow AFR meter, airflow ratio yeah. meter, um, which I didn't have back in the day. Fifty years ago, those things weren't around. But we've got the luxury these days of being able to tune with those. Um, I'd had some bungs put in the um in the in the in the headers in the SSI headers, mm. and so because I, I knew we would need to need to um do some road tuning, and I got my my son sitting beside me calling out the numbers as we're driving along. Amazing. And, and the the yeah the main thing with with MFI is that you know twelve and a half thirteen to one when you when you really uh, third gear um, foot flat to the floor so mm -hmm. it's it's getting the fuel when the engine is most stressed that it, that it needs mm -hmm. um, and and the air fuel ratio just sits where it will be for the for the rest of it um, mm. they do run particularly rich at lower yeah. lower RPM but interestingly um that helps keep an air-cooled engine together you have to be a bit conscious of temperature management being air, yeah. air and oil, oil cooled so um um the 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 you know if you run it run it too lean you know it's quite easy to get into, into a detonation situation yeah, and but they're, no clash, they're, they're pretty noisy clashery things and you wouldn't necessarily hear it so you gotta be careful Oh, okay it's funny because when, when I, I smiled a minute ago i don't know if you're listening to this you've been seeing me smile clearly if you're watching it you would have um but that was when you talked about you and your son doing some of that tuning and how uh, uh, everyone's different obviously everyone's relationships are different but did you find that a bonding exercise the two of you kind of seeing that over the finish line and hanging out together and just you know all that stuff absolutely you know he was with me yesterday doing a few miles around town um and it's he, he's been with me the whole journey in fact i've got mm. some video some photo footage 
um, back in the early days, I had all the throttle bodies apart, and um, he was asking me why there was six separate, um, six lots of everything, mm. you know, and I had to ex explain to them, you know, how that, what that means, how that works. So, you know, he's been with me on this on this journey as much as Crazy. a seven, eight, nine year old boy can be. But um, yeah, I would have loved it when I was that age. It de depends how the kids wired, but you know, he seems. Of to course, love and you can't ram it down their throat. You've got to let them kind of explore it on their own terms. But at the same time. Guarantee as he grows older, you know, and he hits his twenties, or you know, and you're an older gentleman, and you know, you're probably less inclined to go out and smash the thing around, and he's kind of nudging you every now and again and talking about the car, and you know, and one day that then you know potentially end up his, or you know, and and that those things are then even more meaningful, you know, the the experience of building it together, the experience of tuning it up together, hanging out, and then that day where you know it becomes part of his property. That you can't, I guarantee all, you know, every penny that you've ever spent on that car will just pales into insignificance to the meaningfulness of the relationship and that journey, you know? Yeah, you, you, you're so right. I I um, I have to be aware that it's my project and not to ram it down his throat. And yeah. that he, you know, if, if he's interested, he's he's welcome. So he has to, you know, let him engage with it on his terms. He's still only nine and a half, so, you know, he's mm. a young guy. Mm. Um, um, but, but he... He was particularly fascinated. I have put aftermarket CDI boxes into a computer um, tune tune things, and he was particularly fascinated when we hooked up the laptop and we're mm. configuring configuring some of the settings in the in the tuning of the CDI boxes. And he thought that was pretty cool. But um, yeah, cool. it's uh, yeah, it's 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 still an, it's an old car for him. I know he doesn't you know fully appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, he knows that nine elevens are a little bit different, and old air cool things are a little bit, a little bit, a little bit different too. But um, mm. and the fullness of time, I think, you know, if he if he has the the same love for the the, the tech and stuff that I do, then um, yeah, he'll he'll get to enjoy it, do it a lot more. One day he'll get to drive it. It'll be a long be a long time before uh, he'll have to he'll have to have a have a cheap a cheap Toyota Corolla or something before. So picking this up again, um, yeah, uh, Ross's son just literally popped on camera just as we kind of took a quick break. So, um, yeah, Sam is his name. Is that what his name was? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What a hero. What a hero. One, one boy, one and done. Yeah. Good for you. Um, let's pick some more conversation up about the car because uh, we've talked about the colour. We've talked about the engine build. Um Talk me through the interior. What interior choices? You mentioned, I think you mentioned Recaros. Is that right? Yeah. So the car originally had comfort seats, and I don't have a great love for the seats that were in it. Mm. But the, the 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 car as a project, just taking a step back, the car as a project was was a very very original car. It hadn't been hacked around with. Mm. It it just didn't have an engine. Um, so all the interior was there, including the comfort seats. So a really good basis from which to restore a car. Mm. Um, um, I, I don't know if you follow the value of the the seats, but the sports seats that were an option in the early 911s are crazy expensive, just are they? Un, unbe unbelievably pricey. There was a there was a pair that were original, had Pepita inserts, I think, for a 67s. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, just an old pair of Caro seats, and they sold on Bring a Trailer about 
three months ago now for thirty thousand US. No, thirty thousand dollars for a Paris. That is unbelievable. It is. It is just off the hook. And but they're not. They're not actually the greatest seats in the world no. as far as comfort or performance goes. So. I have I have put some, and it's probably the most contentious part of 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 um the car that I've built is the Recaro LSC seats that are okay. were available from the late seventies or early eighties. Back back in the early seventies, you got you got the the comfort seats or you got the sports seats, but there was another um more bolstered reclining seat. Mm. Um, um, called the Idealsitz, Idealsitz S, and that was available in Germany. I understand through the dealer network, you could okay. specify it when you when you bought the car. So this is like a, a modern, a modern kind of take on um, on those seats. Oh. Um, the rest of it, so it's got a um, yeah, a Momo, a Momo wheel, three seventy millimeter, slightly bigger one. Um, getting the seats to fit actually was actually quite tricky because they changed the um, the, the mounting system. Mm. And 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 the, the comfort seats you sit quite high. Um, anyway, I've I made some adapters and we and we, we sit a bit lower and it works a lot better. Mm. Um, and and it's really they are very very functional and comfortable and and look look quite good. Um, what what color did you go for spec in terms of seat panels and uh, exterior? Well, the, the Pepita inserts. Okay, so the, cool. The, um, and 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 leather, just black leather. Black leather. So yeah, so the interior of the car is 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 more or less black carpet, black side panels. So it's got lightweight, lightweight door panels. Um, yeah. Um, we did put the the rear seats back into it, um, just to make it more of a more of a usable proposition. Mm. I know, I know some people. I didn't, you know, in terms of the concept of the build, I didn't want it to be, um, you know, fully stripped out, widened. Mm you know um want to be race car kind of mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. um it, it, it's it's narrow body i've kept it narrow body but it does run on run on seven inch wide wide wheels um that's my favorite look by the way i love a narrow body with chunky wheels it's got that kind of mm. yeah mini muscle car thing going on when it's like that sometimes yeah, i think yeah, i think the, yeah. the the wide body stuff uh it unless you really nail it it can look a bit either a bit lost or it just doesn't quite know what it's going to be you know like especially if it's a road car and primarily a road car yeah spot on in terms of choice yeah it's 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 hard to get right you know do you put sc players on it? do you put rs players on it do you go the st look and they're all mm. subtly different and Porsche people being Porsche people they know the difference so um, yeah yeah you know for me, I, I never wanted it to be a, a wannabe race car. Um, mm, it's mm. A, it's first and foremost a, a road car, but it, it definitely will be trackable. Um, but um, and a and a hell of a lot of fun to drive. It's mm. it just is. You and know, you're only just was... winding up, right? You like it's it's yeah. it's a claim to say that right now when you're running it in. So you can imagine what it's going to be like when it's fully run in and drop the oil. It's gone through probably you know, two more oil changes and it's really starting to loosen up and you exercise mm. all the rev range and it's, you know, everything's bedded in properly and then you can start taking it out and you've got some amazing scenery yeah. near you. So, yeah, oh, yeah. it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm really looking forward to is, you know, getting getting some driving miles under the belt and actually using it as a 
as a as a you know a thing to get out and and, and drive and enjoy. There's wonderful driving roads in the South Island here on the mm. West Coast in particular. So um yeah, there's a lot to a lot to to look forward to there. Um yeah, no, it's but the first the, the first drive around the block when I when I actually because you don't know how it was going to come together. It's got turbo torsion bars in the back, so it's right. a bit it's a bit stiffer in the back and it's got um Boston sports shocks, so it sits pretty firmly on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the first, the first lap around the block that I that I did probably six eight months ago now, I, I got back and was just like, oh my god, what have I created? Really, she's a beautiful, wow. she's a beautiful thing to look at. But yeah. oh my god, does this thing drive like it like like a nutter? it's it's, it's, it's just off the hook it really is the way it accelerates and turns and changes direction it's it's like nothing yeah short of short of um you know having a a co-driver seat in a rally car it's such an engaging car to drive it really is what so talk to me about um geometry and tires then because if it's driving that well again driving that well straight out of the box did you spend much time getting it set up in terms of dialing the suspension in, or has it been, you know, you've just gone for a basic setup and you'll just drive it and figure out where it needs to be after that? And what tyres did you go for? Yeah, well, we're, in terms of suspension setup, I'd say we're more than halfway through. Um, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's still got too much toe in it, and I have been liaising with some guys in the states about what the best, the best sort of setup is. I don't want the ride height slammed too low. You know, you want no. to maintain maintain some. Um, some compliance with it some mm. some um um you know some movement um so it's running a, a bit over a degree of negative cab in the back we need a bit more with the seven mm. inch wheels um um you want to dial a bit of toe out in the front the the caster is not adjustable in the front but the camber okay. kind of moves with the with the toe a little bit so um I do have to get the muck around with the rear torsion bars and get them just just right. The, the right hand side is riding a little higher than the mm. than the left, so um, we've got a little bit of playing around to do there to get it get it dialed in. It drives it drives really well, but it, it, we can improve it a wee bit. It's a little bit darty at speed. Mm. Once you get above about seventy miles an hour on a rougher road, it um it moves around a fair bit. So we just need to need to dial that in. Um, in terms of tyres, with 15-inch wheels, you are restricted a bit, but I always mm-hmm. wanted 15s. But there is a Bridgestone REO, I think it's an RE003, available mm-hmm. in a 205, um, what is it? It's a 205 5555. But just just on tires, you know these early cars, fifty years ago, tire technology was just nowhere. And no, of I course, think, yeah, cross ply Dunlops that were kind of, you know, shed their skin after, you know, ten thousand miles, and there'd be absolutely nothing left of them, you know, and yeah, yeah. rubber compounds, yeah, you know, not even that, but variable compounds across the tread and all sorts of things that you just would never even have heard of back in the day. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it does. It does. You know, you know, a, a fast road tire. You know, matched with an Indy Nine Eleven, you get a you know a lot of mechanical grip out of a relatively narrow chassis mm. um, that, mm. that would have been pretty unthinkable. You know, way back, way back when. So um, there's a you know it, it does it does really help an early Nine Eleven in terms of its handling dynamics. You know, putting putting some good some good um, good sport sport tires on. 
Mm. Um, it's early days, you know. I, I haven't really pushed pushed the car much through corners, but those that I have, it, it really comes into its own when you load up suspension a little bit. Yeah, it really, just the squats in the back a little bit, and you start getting quite a bit of feedback from the rear end, and the front lightens up. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to drive. I can't wait to actually get it on track and um, and actually put in some, you know, some, some learn proper to, miles. Yeah, learn learn where the limits are a little bit and and, and drive it properly. With I've got a harness bar and some harnesses ready to go. So Good. Get those into Good. Have you got any friends? Sort of, at, or is there a local group to you that you kind of you're able to spend time with other people that have got nine elevens, or is it you kind of your lone wolf out there stalking in the yeah. night? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think as far as people that are that are as deep into it as I am, I think yeah. I think it's probably just it's probably just me. Just you. You know, I, yeah. I was I was at a Porsche Club meeting um on Sunday last weekend and you know, people open the hood and like, Well, what's that funny pump? What's the MFI pump and right. oh, well, what what's that all about again? And you know, it's just the depth of knowledge. Even, you know, I don't think I'd even trust some of the some of the local mechanics to actually mm. to actually tune the engine properly. The, the the boys just don't know. They go and research it, but yeah, I can do that myself. So, so of course, you know, you know, um, I am I am you know a bit of a lone wolf. Having said that, there is a guy a, a guy that I've met in the states. He he married a Kiwi girl, mm. um, and in fact, he arrived in the country about two hours ago. So him and I are going for oh, wow. drive this afternoon. His his dad actually owned an original TR, so um, 68, 68 TR, you know, one of the one of the thirty two, I think, mm. um, homologated cars. Was it, were they homologated, or they might have just been? Um... You're going to be teaching me at this point, honestly. So I, a lot of this, you know, in a lot of these conversations, I make noises like I sound like I know I'm talking about, it, but really what I'm actually doing is learning. So <laughs> when you say things mm. like that, I'm like, cool, okay, you tell me. I mean, the, the the history of the early nine eleven is, is is an interesting thing. You know that what amazes me is that Porsche had this incredible race program in the sixties, and mm. they were competing, um, you know, in in in, in the full on races. But they never they never really supported GT racing until the seventies with the nine eleven. It wasn't right. until they homologated the the nine eleven with the two point seven RS that it was a homologated car. Mm. For a company the size of what it was in the '60s, they did amazing things with mm. the, their race. Their race team and their race program was just was just you know really really fantastic. But the, the there was a few 911s that were that were um, modified. The, the original 911R and then the TR, which came in '68, I think the last of the short wheelbase cars, um, and then the ST program. Uh, the STs are a in interesting. Um, an interesting um group i think there's there's more to it than just the the, the, the name um mm. but what, what, you know but then the, then the 2.7 rs and became the rsr when the, mm. when when porsche really made its name in gt racing in the 70s once they decided they wanted to go racing with the 911 is is um when when the the reputation really was cemented you know back in the 60s they had the race program and, and the 911 was the only product they had but it was a road car yeah and and that ended, you know, in 1979 at Le Mans, where they they won outright against all the prototype cars. You know, the fact that a that a road based car had had beaten all the all the prototypes was, you know, an amazing amazing feat. So that, I need to I need to um, one of the things I've been meaning to do, and it's just some so time consuming, is that I haven't done it yet. But I, when I get a gap, I will. 
uh, maybe in the new year actually I'll have an opportunity to is is the heritage playlist that I've started to put together um, the intention is to, to, to sort of start doing some research into uh, ferry Porsche like the very earliest days and then kind of do some episodes where I'm kind of talking through what I've learned and sharing that and then asking for some feedback about what I've missed that sort of thing but literally doing it step by step all the way through to the modern day um mm. so it'd be interesting probably because you you sound certainly convincing me that your knowledge is pretty up there so maybe maybe ross if you're up for it when, when i get to this period of where you where your knowledge is at its best you come back on and we have a better conversation when i've done my research yeah love to look i don't i don't i don't there's other people that know an awful lot more than me but i, I do find it a fascinating mm. period of history and how porsche transformed itself from a um you know what what they did with the 911 i guess in in its final form um in the 935 was was you know so an, an amazing journey you know it was developed you know extensively uh, mm. um and the, and the technology they used they they you know an amazing amazing company the way they thought and the way they did things very engineering led mm. it's interesting have you been over to the uk much because i'm so close to goodwood and and I've said this before, and I and I stand by it. It's we're so spoiled over here in terms of the cars, the special stuff that turns up for the festival of speed, but revival mainly for some of the historic cars. You know, they're the Le Mans winning cars, and you know, and you're, you're inches away from them, and without any kind of real barricade, there's no kind of armed guards stood next to them. And yeah, the, you hear the odd story about one or two of them being. Um, clones of the original and you'd understand why but for the most part i'm pretty sure the original cars get raced around goodwood you know have you been over here and had an opportunity to see any of that or not so much you're not yet i'm sitting here with a blank face but but inside i'm green with envy mate. yeah i bet i just you know good goodwood and the whole the the idea of the classic racing the two-liter cup is fascinating mm. but but yeah, I, I would absolutely be be in my element and amongst that. Um, I have been to the UK a few times, but not really so much in a in a car capacity. Been skiing mm. with a few mates a few times and got a few friends over there. But um, yeah, for sure, I would. My my dream would be to take the car to to Europe and spend a spend a summer mm. um, touring around Europe. You know, yeah, touring around. You know, get some drives in the Alps and and um, visit visit some places and um and get amongst it at the likes of goodwood i think that would be you know and, would all, the dream. Yeah. and, the and dream actually yeah. what so this year i think it was when was it july it would have been july um i did a solo road trip through france into the alps and that those episodes going to go live over christmas um oh, and it was life-changing sounds really dramatic but it really was it was you know i drove through the cold and the bonnet highest loop road in europe um and i you know I pulled up at the top and there's these all these mountain ranges below where i am cloud base below where i am you know and i've got the drone out flying the drone around and kind of getting all these amazing shots and stuff and then literally mm. what pulls around the corner and i had bear in mind driving all the way through france i'd probably seen one cayenne and a macan or something like that that's it and then three g bodies just come snaking around the corner as soon as i pulled up to the, the crest and it just was one of those moments that you can't recreate that stuff. It was, yeah. yeah. So it's massively expensive, I'm sure, to ship a car over from New Zealand to the to Europe to do that. But yeah, it's it, I don't think you'd ever regret it in a million years. It's amazing. I mean, you only live once, and 
you know, you, 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 I don't think you lie on your deathbed wondering about things, you know, regretting things that you've done. I think you your late tax return is not going to be on your mind when you no, no, <laughs> no my, 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 my late dear mother died um, about my age, actually, you know, mid fifties, mm. and and um, the one takeaway from that, you know, that's thirty years ago now, um, twenty five years ago, was you know, life can be short, so mm. get out there and do the things that you want to do when you want to do them. Um, you've got to have the time you've got to have some finance behind you you've got to have the motivation and, mm. and the stickability and the technical wanna want to get in there to complete a project like this and um, if any of those things aren't there it'll fall over so yeah there's probably only a, a window of opportunity in your life when you can actually commit to a thing like this and, and make it make it happen so you know i i, I really want to move from being a, a an engineering builder dude to um you know really enjoying the driving side of it and getting mm. you know Getting, getting, uh, getting some miles under the belt, and um, and uh, and find out how this thing that I've built actually goes. That's going to be going to be uh, going to be wonderful. Very exciting. Have we missed yeah. anything? Is there anything that uh, you know? I feel like we've covered. Oh, mate, I might. I can talk for hours. I yeah. can talk for hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd love to. Do you want to? You want to talk I... about piston coatings or ignition curves or you know fuel atomization or you know. Uh, I tell you what, so so there is another, I, you know what, this is turning into one of those, I mean, there's been a handful of these. Ironically, last week, um, one of these conversations that was supposed to be kind of 25, 30 minutes ended up being an hour and a half, you know, and we could have continued going. And in fact, the chap's going to come over to the UK in the not too distant future, and we're going to catch up and do some drives together. You, mm -hmm. you, you bond really quickly over these sorts of things. And I would love to have you back on, both from a heritage perspective to talk about the history of Porsche, but also when we get to the the tech talks about engine building, we've got a company called Rightune in the UK, um, mm. and they're going to be supporting my build on the REM 550. So, um, mm, cool. when when we get to that stage, uh, yeah, let's 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 do a, a proper session on. You can talk me through everything you know on piston coatings and you know everything else. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very happy to, very happy to share what I've share what I've learned through this journey. Mm. Yeah, yeah, love love to anytime. Yeah. Is there is there anything else important to the build that that we might have missed, or do you think we've covered it? Or where are we? No, no. I I just think I just think you know in terms of an approach to a project like this, you you know don't underestimate how how long and and not not necessarily difficult, but how involving it is. And, and mm. but if if you really enjoy this type of thing, it's absolutely doable. But it's it's got to be your bag. You have to. You have to want to be happiest with a screwdriver in your hand. Yeah. You know, I drive I've drive a desk by day. Um, so this is kind of my a bit of a release, a bit of um, you know, um something I, that I don't have to do for a job. It's a hobby, but I yeah. I love doing it. And if you and if you can say that, um then then you're probably a good candidate to, to go for it. Not for everybody for sure, mm. but um, mm. but I've I've really thoroughly enjoyed the project to date and it's you know it's yesterday was the conclusion of a, a very long long journey getting it finally registered on the road um had to go through the whole compliance thing here which is um you know not not for the faint-hearted as well it, it's mm. a whole quite a difficult process um but anyway we're, we're there so um yeah put a draw a line under that and just get on with a couple Start of using the cars. Yeah. yeah yeah well listen yeah, I've, I've really 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 enjoyed talking to you and um, I'm very grateful for your time. And it's been a fascinating conversation to learn. You know, it's been a one of those conversations been as much about the emotion behind the actual process of building it as it has the t sort of technicality and the 
color, you know, the, the simple things like choosing a color, you know, but hearing about you spending time with your boy and, you know, what the future plans are. And yeah, it's it's been a lovely conversation. And, you know, big thanks for me to you to say, you know, welcome oh, to the channel. Welcome to the, the alum that will be, you know, the, the guests that have appeared on the channel so far. And yeah, welcome back anytime. No, keep, keep up the good work. Love being part of it. Brilliant. Lovely. Thanks ever so much. And uh, right. yeah, anytime we'll catch you again. Sounds great, Paul. Nice one. Take care. Bye for now. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, if you're listening to this still on uh, on Spotify or any uh, podcast streaming service, thank you so much for staying with it. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed the episode. It's um, Ross is such a nice guy, and you can obviously tell how passionate he was about working with his son. Um, and then, you know, even across shipping things from the States over to New Zealand. I mean, all of it, it couldn't have been a, an inexpensive project, but, you know, his passion comes across straight away. Um, please do head over to uh, YouTube and subscribe over there, at Rengineering on YouTube, at Rengineering UK on Instagram. Uh, TikTok, yes. Threads, yes. You know, wherever you find us, it, it will be at Rengineering other than Instagram, which is at Rengineering UK. Uh, for now, though, thank you so much. I hope you're having a lovely week and I've got a nice week weekend planned as well. And I will see you next time. Take care for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>